the show is here. Yo, our mission is clear. It's time to change healthcare. Have no fear. Today is the day. This is the hour. Together, you know we've got the power. Drop the silos. We're all the same team. Patients, docs, nurses, tech, and marketing. How can anyone be satisfied with the way things have always been? Yeah, we've tried. So join us now. Join the revolution. Digital health is the evolution. Status quo, more like status, no. Yeah, this is the healthcare rap. Y'all, come on, let's go. New choices, new platforms, new care models. In the healthcare of tomorrow, consumers win. But who will design it? What will it look like? And how long will it take? We're here to answer those questions with some provocative thinking about how to create the healthcare that people actually want. Ready to roll up your sleeves, look at the world a little differently, and explore the frontiers of consumer health together? Join us. This is the Healthcare Wrap. Welcome back. I'm Jared Johnson, ready to share some more provocative thinking about building the healthcare of tomorrow. We're approaching our fifth year on the air. Can you believe it? If you're just now joining us, we hope you'll subscribe and check out our previous episodes, nearly 200 of them. A great starting point is the start of our current season, season six, where we've been focusing on how to operationalize and scale consumer-first healthcare. Season six starts at episode number 170. Again, that's episode 170. If you haven't yet, we hope you'll check it out. So here's what's going to go down today. We have the flavor of the week about why we recently changed the intro of the podcast. How has our focus changed over the years and what does it say about the evolving needs of our industry? I'll talk about that. Then Zane and I offer our advice to consumer brands that are trying to break into the healthcare industry. We dig deep into what these brands have working in their favor, as well as the challenges that lie ahead for them. This episode's jam-packed, and we have a lot to share along the way. It's time to dive right in. Are you ready? Let's go. Flavor of the Week. This podcast has evolved just like the industry we serve. We recently updated our intro to better reflect our topics and focus over the last couple of years, as well as where we see things going. We didn't change the rap itself because, well, until we see some real progress dropping the silos, I feel like we need to keep talking about it. But the intro following the rap used to talk about challenging assumptions that are holding back healthcare marketing in particular. So the intro now talks about new choices, new platforms, and new care models, and how in the healthcare of tomorrow, consumers win. But rather than limiting ourselves to marketing, we bring up other questions as well, such as who will design it, what it will look like, and how long it will take. Now, we do still cover a lot of marketing topics because we talk a lot about consumer experience and digital engagement, and because marketers definitely play an important role in building the healthcare of tomorrow. But we've also invited more and more other disciplines to the conversation, particularly this last year as we've dialed in and invited rockstar guests to talk about topics that we feel like we need to understand better. So if you've tuned in recently, you've heard the very latest on topics like retail health, price transparency, behavioral economics, and direct primary care. Why the evolution? Three reasons. First, because while marketing may have been the starting point, as we've learned over the course of nearly 200 episodes, it's just one piece of the puzzle, and we need to see the whole picture if we truly want to offer products, services, and experiences that are consumer first. We all need to better understand the health and wellness choices that consumers are making well before they ever engage with the traditional sick care system. Second, because the world looks a lot different than when we first started talking about consumerism four years ago. It seems like everyone talks about it, but very few have anything useful to say. There's a lot of noise out there, and the unfortunate result is that some leaders now feel transformation fatigue. They're tired of even hearing about the changes that they need to make. 
but we can't give up. We're at an inflection point, not the final destination. Not even close. The third reason for the evolution is because we want to expand on the need to unsilo the industry and create the playbook for consumer health together. I see a trust and knowledge gap when it comes to professional education, trade media, branded content, and even conferences that are currently available on the topic of consumer health. We want to bridge that gap. That's what provocative thinking is all about. We don't ask anyone to abandon their specialties or in-depth knowledge. We want to bring it all together so we can see the big picture more clearly and design something better together than any of us can in our individual fields. So as the new intro says, if you're ready to roll up your sleeves, look at the world a little differently, and explore the frontiers of consumer health together, join us and be a part of the consumer transformation movement along with a highly engaged community that's discovering new ways to get there together. That's another way that we'll build the healthcare of tomorrow. And that's the flavor of the week. Hey, Zane. Uh, great to hear your voice again. Uh, first time in 2022. Hey, how's it going? We made it. Uh, it's exciting to be in a new year. COVID didn't take us out. We're still here. We're still recording. I'm thankful for my life. But what an interesting couple of years it's been. No kidding. I think that's worth celebrating. I think yes. it's worth stopping and, and just recognizing we made it through. Yep. And it's another uh, COVID-filled year. Let's hope this new year is not as COVID-filled. I mean, it's promising with the way Omicron is panning out. There's some people starting to say that it might be, you know, the variant that finally, I mean, I'm no epidemiologist, but the thing that, you know, a lot of people will catch and hopefully that, and it's not terribly severe and hopefully that will um, give people some immunity and some protection and you know, maybe, maybe we'll get out of this by summer finally. Yeah, can you believe? I mean, things keep happening and uh, apparently nothing has slowed down. <laughs> we're just going to keep seeing more headlines and we're going to keep seeing in particular more consumer brands trying to enter the space. 2021 was interesting when we heard headlines about Haven disbanding or we heard about Google Health kind of pulling back and regrouping and Apple kind of changing the direction of its play in healthcare. And it was really easy, I think, just to get right into this today, it was really easy to synthesize those headlines. And even if we did kind of dig in a little bit and say, like, what was behind those moves to think, well, see, healthcare is just so complex. Like it's not even worth these consumer brands coming in because they're just not going to really get it figured out. And I want to make two distinctions right off the bat here, because we're going to talk as if we are offering advice to consumer brands or big tech brands that are coming into the space, because I think it's worth dissecting some of these, these headlines that we saw a few months ago. The first distinction along this line is that we are talking to a lot of different types of new entrants. We've talked all the time on this program, especially last year, we talked a lot about Amazon and Apple and Google and the big players and Walmart and CVS and Walgreens. And so you've got the big retailers. I feel like you've got the big tech players who we hear about a lot. We've also talked about what Rock Health refers to as the middle children. I don't I haven't come up with a better term, so I'm just going to call them the middle children. But it's, okay. the, it's the Targets and Best Buys and CrossFits of the world and Lululemons that have made a, a play and invested money into some kind of healthcare service that fits their value chain, you know, that fits their 
consumer relationship that makes sense for their business, but they're not the big tech. They're, they're not a fortune 10 or fortune 50 company. So we don't hear about them as much. Their headlines don't make as many ripples in the pond, if it will. But I want to make a distinction here that those very well likely when you, when you add it all up could be the players that make the biggest accumulated difference in having a consumer version of healthcare in this coming year, two years, three years. So we'll refer to the middle children a little differently. I feel like compared to the big players who have already been making a splash. And then the second distinction is we want to talk as if we are addressing, I think a couple of specific areas here. So digital adoption, I'm trying to use terms other than digital transformation, just to, even though it's the same thing, uh, digital, right. ado- digital adoption and marketing and innovation within their organizations. So here's my, my take on all this saying, and I'd love to hear what you think about this. When I think about if, if I'm working with a brand that's looking to get into this space, my number one thought would be, don't take anything for granted, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just because something's good for a consumer's health doesn't mean that providers will want to implement it or that consumers will know how to use it, let alone where to find it. I think those are some assumptions that we've seen in the past that, hey, this thing is going to make one little part of healthcare easier. We have a way for you to access your information. We have a way for you to get answers. We have a way for you to get a second opinion. We have a way for you to use an app to track that thing. You know, you can use your Fitbit, your your fitness band, your Apple Watch. You put all these things out there into the world. And I think we've learned from a lot of the entrants so far those companies were coming in that it's not as easy as just putting out there into the world. And then people are like, Oh yeah, cool. Now I can address my health and wellness in a different way. And I'm going to use that thing for some people it does, but there's such a spectrum of reactions. And especially among providers, we've been talking about connected personal health data. Decades. Yeah. A long time. And specifically when wearables were coming around and the you know, I don't know, 2014, 2015, it feels like it's been a long time. They've been out there a long time. And mm-hmm. it doesn't mean we saw this huge widespread adoption. And so I'll lead this off by saying, understand that this is not easy because healthcare behavior is not easy. You can't just put something in front of somebody and expect them to know what to do with it. And for a provider to be happy about it. You know, if I just, if I, I remember being really excited a few years ago, about being able to do a blood pressure, like a digital blood pressure cuff. And I'm like, I'm going to send this data to my primary care provider oh, wow. and they're going to help me. And it never got off the ground first and foremost, yeah. because the blood pressure cuff itself was pretty off. Yeah. Like I compared it to any time I got, I mean, I only got my blood pressure checked, like when I would donate blood or when I you know get my annual physical basically, or, or screening. So not very often during the year, but I would look at, I would look at that trend compared to anything that got measured from this blood pressure cuff. And it made it look like, like both levels were 20 to 25 points higher than at any other point that I had had them measured. So I'm like, okay, that's kind of off. So I don't even know what I like. I don't want to, I don't think I want to share that with my provider, but then it turns out at the time I didn't have a real primary care provider anyway, uh, let alone one who was interested in, yeah, I'd be happy to sift through this data. That's not structured that is just sent to me in a table, like in a CSV file, like the format that it was sent was nothing that I actually want to spend any time looking at. And I'm not incentivized to do that. So I think it was just an example of of the reality of recognizing that just because a tool is good for our health, it doesn't mean it's going to be quickly adopted. 
Yep. Well, and I, I almost shouldn't mention this, but I'm going to, because I, I didn't fully read the article, but a colleague of mine sent me an article that I need to go read where I think a Blue Cross dumped or stopped paying for Livongo. I don't know which Blue Cross. I don't know if you saw that, Jared, but at the end of the day, I think, I don't know what exactly the issue is, but I think what it is, is like they just found it wasn't worth paying for. And so it's sort of the flip side of what you're talking about is, you know, just because you have tools doesn't mean people will actually use them. And and then furthermore, it doesn't mean they actually will deliver value to the point that someone's willing to pay for it. Yeah, you're right. This is all about value. It's funny to, to realize that. These are just things that, that need to be part of the strategic plan of any consumer health offering. Yeah. Another one I think that's related to that is you can't market to consumers in the same way because it, all the all the incentives that we've learned with digital marketing, you know, offering an incentive, a 10% off, a 20% off, a flash sale, just spamming the crap out of our inbox of, hey, if I email you five times a week, you're more likely to click on one just because you see more emails, you know, all the, all the things, all the kind of best practices that we've learned with digital marketing, they don't apply Absolutely. for the most part. I'm pretty sure some of that's illegal too, if you're not most, careful. Most of it is because, yeah, <laughs> right. You So the most you can do is see that somebody went to certain pages of your website. So maybe they're interested in those things. So you can share and personalize a little bit of the content based on somebody went to the cancer services. So you're going to share some oncology content with them instead of, I don't know, sun health, you know, skin, skin yeah. health or, yeah. or whatever, yeah. <laughs> but you're still only really barely addressing the problem. So a lot of the ways that you would typically use with, with their other consumer offerings where they've learned to just tell convince you that you need to buy something they don't really need because they've incentivized you to do that. And they've used digital tools to do that and digital storytelling with social media to do that. That doesn't mean that that works the same way in healthcare. And it's it still comes back to the basic thought of we don't want to have to address our healthcare. We don't want to go to the doctor most of the time. We don't want to have to experience it and engage with the system at all. Everything about it is something we don't want. I don't want to have to yeah. learn how to figure out how much it's going to cost and what it's actually going to be like and, and, and all that. Hey, I mean, I had that experience today. I actually had to go, there's a medication that my physician wants me to be on. So I went to go pick up my prescription and I talked to the pharmacist. I'm like, hey, we didn't fill your prescription. We didn't think you'd want to pay for the copay. I'm like, well, what's the copay? It's like $1,900. I'm like, nope. And so I had to get on. Yeah. So today I had to get on the, uh, you know, the phone with my uh, health insurer and basically coach, like I did my own little research and talked them through, listen, what is the generic version of this? You know, will you cover the full thing? And sure enough, they had, they, they could. And so they said, I now got to talk to my physician and switch to see if he'll agree to write me prescription for the generic version that's 100% paid for. But like what a, you know, when you talk about like jobs to be done, you know, things we've talked about before, like what a pain point. Like why am I the one, you know, the customer that has to go and basically broker with my insurance provider and my physician to say, hey, can you all agree to give me this drug? That's really the same drug as that drug, but it's at least paid for. So I don't have to pay two grand, like crazy, but whatever. So I hear you on that one. Yeah, that's the type of experience. Very common. We all encounter more than almost any other type of encounter with the healthcare system picking up a prescription. So perfect example there. Hang with us. We'll be right back and check out these amazing podcasts from our friends. 
Hi, this is John Lynn from the Healthcare IT Today podcast. If you like the latest rumors, insights, and happenings in healthcare IT, you'll enjoy hearing my colleague Colin Hung and myself debate and share the latest happenings from the world of healthcare IT. Find the latest episodes or dig into our archive at healthcareittoday.com or search for Healthcare IT Today on your favorite podcast application or YouTube. When it comes to healthcare technology, we love this stuff. And we can't wait to have you join in on the discussion of everything health IT. Consumer experiences, major disruptors in AI tech are shaping healthcare for years to come. We're data rich, but information poor. Data without decisions is just distraction. You have to show results. That's how you build trust. On Hello Healthcare, we dive deep on these issues with the leaders who are driving change. And we hope that these stories will help you to create or demand a better future within healthcare. Don't miss out. Follow Hello Healthcare. Okay, back to the flow. I think that speaks to another thing that's at the heart of coming up with a consumer health offering is understanding that it's relationship-based. Mm-hmm. It's less transaction-based. I was having a great conversation the other day with a couple of folks about how there are parts of healthcare experiences that should be transactional. Like it only makes sense for them to be transactional. And then there's other parts that make sense to be relationship based Mm -hmm. and feel more humanistic and and social in nature. Mm -hmm. So let's identify which ones are which, and let's make the transactional ones as Amazon like as possible. Let's make it convenient, simple. Like booking an appointment or paying your bill. Or right. finding out finding out if a drug is covered or not by your provider or your insurance provider. Right. The amount of steps we we all just end up giving up on the entire experience, which means we end up giving up on certain parts of addressing our health and wellness because it is so difficult. And so that's the current state. That's not how it has to be. I think we'll see improvement there. But let's take those the transactional parts, make them super easy and convenient. And then let's take the parts that shouldn't be and go as far away from that as possible. Let's not pretend that they're going to be transactional. Let's not pretend that that you're just picking a doctor based on their reviews on a website. That's part of it. But at the end of the day, it's still ideally somebody, especially if they're primary and even a lot of secondary care services, you're going to have a relationship with them. You're going to see them more than once. So you want to find somebody you're comfortable with. So it does matter to you what they like to do in their spare time, how they decided on that specialty. And you want, you want to get to know them a little better. So there are parts that we just want to be relationship based. And if you can enter, and if you're entering the space and it's something in say like a revenue cycle solution, you've been able to automate some part of of revenue cycle more easily. There's a lot of solutions in, in, in this space. So what if you intentionally say like, this is something that consumers really aren't gonna know about. This is really just something for the rev cycle managers to be able to do their job better. So that's something that should be transactional. Let's focus on the parts that are transactional and not act like really a provider or a consumer or a patient is even going to know or care about it. Let's not even address that part. Let's focus specifically on the user here and the, the stakeholders who need to buy it. So that's kind of the marketing mentality of like, who's going to care about this? Who wants to know that there's a solution for it? So it's just part of the, again, part of the strategic process of coming up with how, how do you adopt this? How do you, how do you grow the adoption from a very early stage? And then I think the, the thing I would say related to that 
is see the assets we've been talking a lot about, like the liabilities, I guess, like the debt, the healthcare debt that, that exists in bringing something new to the market. I would also say the, the assets that a consumer brand brings in potentially overcome all of those liabilities, all of those expenses, all of that debt. And the biggest one potentially is that relationship with a consumer because health systems and providers have struggled historically to have anything more than an episodic relationship. Hey, I'm, I'm seeing you again. And my relationship starts with you once you walk in the door or, you know, or once you park and it goes until the time you leave the property and you'd barely hear from me otherwise. And while I have this opportunity to be this trusted source of information for you, I just don't know how to do that or just not good at it or it's not a priority. Whereas a consumer brand could come in and say, you're already hearing from me because you know, we're CVS. And so we're, we're sending you this, you know, the latest specials of the week, we're sending you all these other things and you're coming into a store way more often during a year than you're going into a doctor's office. So we sure we, so we have some data on you, but more importantly, you're going to hear from us more often. And as long as we don't screw that up and we provide any kind of value over time, that's an asset so big that I think is the singular biggest reason for a lot of consumer brands to enter the space and just say like, here's that one part of that relationship that's going to benefit us and our customer relationships. So like, let's just stick with that. Let's focus on that. And we don't have to provide everything for you, but here's this one part that this relationship benefits both of us. Yep. On the relationship. I really like that thinking. I think from my point of view, you know, for consumer brands or really any company trying to get into healthcare, and some of this just might sound like obvious, but I think the a couple of things that I would recommend they really think about is like first understanding like what is their relationship to physician and providers, you know, you know, meaning like understand how they work, how they think, how they operate, get really clear on what, you know, how you're going to work with these guys, whether you're going to hire them broker with a physician group. And, you know, a lot of, you know, big brands focus on the technology, which makes sense. They know that they know consumers, but don't really know how to work with physicians and or physicians or clinical people. And that's going to, be, going to be the Achilles heel in a lot of people or sorry, in a lot of companies, not to mention, and that's on a good day, not to mention we're in a giant staffing crisis. So I think getting clear on that. And then frankly, like getting clear on payments, like how are you ultimately going to get paid for what you're doing? You know, whether it's through reimburse or you're seeking reimbursement from a payer being insurer or similar to what you already talked about, like this, a direct-to-consumer model, but really thinking through like how much are people willing to actually pay out of pocket, you know, for certain services. And I think there's great evidence out there that, you know, because you know, healthcare is something we really want to care about every day, I think there's my gut opinion or feeling, not based on any evidence, just opinion, is that people don't really want to, you know, pay a whole lot out of pocket for healthcare, right? Because it's not something they want to focus on fitness sure healthcare no right and so i think those two big things are you know something to really really focus on and then certainly if you're a disruptor forget the term disruptor but if you're a you know a new company or a big brand you're trying to work with hospital systems you know partner with them in any way like that's a whole different beast and understanding like the sales cycle the partnership cycle the politics and you know how they actually and the relationships that need to be true in order for things to come together um, would definitely be something to keep at the forefront of your decision making yeah so true for me that relates back to this concept of the middle children right so the the companies and the consumer brands that 
have a natural on-ramp to enter healthcare because of a relationship or a technology that they've developed that makes sense. And I'm referring back to an article from Rock Health by Sean Day and uh, sorry, I'm going to butcher her last name. I don't mean to, uh, uh, Kaganoff, I believe, uh, mm-hmm. from back in September about these, they refer to these middle children as potential disruptors flying under the radar. And they gave some scenarios of some of the brands and what they could do. And I thought it was, it was really interesting. Like they were, they're like, you know, here's what they could do. And they even talked about things like, like HelloFresh. They said HelloFresh could offer insights on your health and recommend other food products. They said Uber could recommend that you stop your ride 10 minutes from your destination to get some steps in, which earns you some Uber rewards. You know, so some natural, easy things they even suggested. They said Disney could use its existing AR and VR capabilities and their deep expertise uh, in creating experiences for children to build a VR pediatrics anxiety management solution. That like, would be cool. I'm like, yeah, like why not? Right. That's good. That's going to happen. Like to me, that's a no brainer. That will certainly happen. Like a, you know, digital therapeutic, like Achille Interactive, like working with Disney or whoever that could totally happen. I think so too. Whether or not it's Disney, I definitely see that happening in the near term. And, oh. you know, one other one they gave is, is just the thought of becoming a new front door. So they just said like the, the agility of being able to move quickly is another one of these huge assets of a consumer brand. They have learned how to adapt. They've learned how to understand consumers and then adapt to create a relationship that leads to a business opportunity for them. So they even gave examples of, of like Kroger, how they're pursuing this front door strategy by offering basic medical exams at health kiosks that are in their supermarkets through a partnership with Higgy. Uh, and then they, they said like a, another hypothetical example could be Sephora offering skin cancer screenings by embedding diagnostic imaging technology within its virtual artist app. They, they just went on and on of all, they even talked about Blizzard, uh, Activision, Blizzard, like the, the gaming company and what they could do. And so you just really start to gather this vision of, you don't have to solve all the parts in healthcare, but you have an opportunity to solve part of it by bringing your brand and its existing relationships and its ability to quickly move and quickly innovate and do some good in the, in the area. And at the end of the day, that's what I see the biggest benefit of, of consumer brands coming into the space is that the result is that consumers win. We're going to see better versions of healthcare, better experiences that are more convenient where the transactional parts do make more sense. It's not as scary. It's more human. It's not as expensive. We feel more incentivized to engage in the system. And that's the big picture for me. And that's the opportunity. And that's why I look forward to tracking as more of these brands enter the space. Yeah. And even think about like, things will just be more integrated into your life, right? Easy. You know, I can just get whatever I need while I'm at CVS or Walmart or Sephora. You know, God, if I could just figure out, or if, if someone can just figure out how you know, to minimize the amount of passwords I need just to access you know, my different health portals, whether it's on the payer side or the provider side, that alone would make life so much easier. It really would. Yeah. <laughs> Any other closing thoughts here, Zane, as we, we kind of uh, share the rest of our, our advice for consumer brands? No, I think we said most of it. I mean, I just, you know, double click on like just really understanding the consumer and you know, for consumer brands who do know the consumer really well from a like a true retail side, I would just caution them, don't think that same behavior can translate to healthcare. And so be really thoughtful about, you know, the, re- the user research you do and 
know, do journey maps, do job speed done to really understand how what you think you know about the consumer might change when it comes into a healthcare context, because the stakes are different, the emotions are different, the, you know, the, the willingness to pay is different. So just be thoughtful of that. Love it. <laughs> Saying this has been a lot of fun. We should do this one again because yeah. this landscape is going to change a lot this year and in the coming years. And so as it happens, as we do see more headlines, we'll give our takes on them as always. And we'll try to keep them within the context of this, this bigger vision of what the opportunity is for us as consumers. I love the thought that that it can be more integrated and more convenient. And at the end of the day, I try not to use the word outcomes because I hear it all the yeah. time. <laughs> uh, but I did. So there we go. Always, always a pleasure saying uh, stay safe, stay well. Let's, let's do this again soon. Absolutely. Thanks, Jared. Hey, thanks again for listening. We hope you found some value in this conversation. And if you did, do us a favor and follow us using your favorite podcast app. Then tell your friends and colleagues about us. If you like what you heard, please spread the word. Healthcare App is a member of the Shift.Health Content Network. If you enjoyed this podcast, you're going to love the other shows in the Shift.Health Content Network. Go check out the latest show. In fact, it's called Hello Healthcare, hosted by Chris Hemphill. It's focused on people who are moving healthcare forward, how healthcare strategy relates to data and AI, and what you can do to create or demand a better future. Subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform or at shift.health, where all 35 podcasts and video series are free and available on demand. Until next time, keep marketing forward. Thanks. And that's a wrap.